Hi everyone, Dan Duva here, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. SLGND is back. It's a summertime edition of the official Golden Knights podcast, presented by the D Hotel. It's Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, and Dave Gosher. Our featured guest today, Paul Stastny, the veteran centerman who signed with the Golden Knights in July. We asked Stastny why Vegas was his destination of choice and what impressions he has of his new team. The SLGND crew explores all the other roster changes for the Golden Knights, including the new contract for Marc-Andre Fleury and the departure of James Neal and David Perron. We field your questions in the mailbag and talk about our summertime excursions, like the Golden Knights road trip. It's SLGND, the Sheriff, Lawless, and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave. All right, Dan Duva, thanks very much. The Sheriff, Lawless, and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, the summer edition, mid-August edition, coming to you from our studios in Vegas. Of course, we're always brought to you by the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Dave Gosher along with Shane Knighty and Gary Lawless and Dan Duva. Uh, great to have you with us here. As, I don't know, we're still a couple of months away from, uh, what's the, the opener's October 4th. Am I right on that, Shane? I, I believe I have you're that correct. Much right. yeah. I haven't looked too far down the road. Well, there's lots of things before that. Yes, a lot before that, including training camp opening on September the 14th at City National Arena. Rookie tournament before that. Rookie tournament coming up as well so we can give you let's give you we'll run down the dates for the rookie tournament so september 8th 9th and 10th all at city national arena uh, involving the golden knights the la kings arizona anaheim colorado and san jose so all those teams will be at uh city national arena so uh, if you want to see some uh, terrific young players and of course the golden knights uh, have some real good young players coming up through the system that'll be uh, i guess your first chance to see it on september the 8th so uh, we haven't been together here guys since the final, right after the final, we were down at the D, right? We did our final podcast. Uh, Shane, what have you done with your summer vacation? What, what's going It's like when you go back to school, like in the in the fall. What did you do in your summer? Oh, vacation? I bulked up, but I didn't do it the old way. I did it, I did uh, the retired player way. Yeah, I went back and uh, heavy enjoyed carbs. some time in Manitoba, and uh, yeah, some uh, you know heavy liquid diet uh, got, got it in me. But you know what? It's good to be back, back in Vegas here, and. Uh, I know a lot of people excited to see what's going to come up, yeah. but uh, it's been a good summer. Lots going on. Uh, still still time to enjoy a little bit of yeah. it here before we get started uh, into the hockey thing. Well, man, what about you? Did you buy, would you buy some version of a boat or something up at the cabin? And whatever, I don't know what you call it, a ski-doo? Or, uh, yeah, it's something. a ski-doo boat. Ski-doo, yes. ski-doo, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah, it is. lots of fun with it. Yeah, and awesome. uh, the, uh, my, uh, my wife and daughter, or my daughter, uh, did a lot of tubing uh, behind it, her and all her friends. And uh, so... Uh, yeah, lots of fun. We had great weather. My daughter and I went on a little fishing trip, uh, and uh, uh, we had a blast doing that. So uh, it's great. And uh, school starts this week, so I think Shane's kids are already back in. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And mine starts uh, this week, so it's uh, uh, back at it. It's, uh, it's amazing. Last year at this time, so much unknown, and, uh, you know, it we could never have sort of predicted what was going to happen and that we were going to be working in the middle of June uh, watching the Stanley Cup final. But that's what did happen. And, and now it's amazing. You know, you walk into the office or you walk into Whole Foods or wherever and people walk up to you and they're like, uh, you going to do it again? And I'm like, well, I didn't do anything, first of all. So, uh, um, But uh, that will be 
sort of uh, one of the biggest questions in the hockey world this year is what does Vegas do in year two? And that, that is the buzz. When, and we all did it. Uh, also, the other thing, so we just got back from the, the VGK uh, road trip. Right. Uh, right. I know you were up in Reno and Boise, Dave. I came yeah. into Boise. We crossed paths. Uh, I hit uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which is uh, one of my new favorite destinations, and then Salt Lake where Gary was there. So uh, great to see the support that the fans, the Golden Knights fans that are all around everywhere. It was just a great trip, had a great time. Good to see uh, people in those different areas that uh, that cheer for the Golden Knights and, and enjoyed that first season. You know what I thought was pretty cool about it too, Nides, was that, and I kind of described it in my stops, was, all right, you know, we're in Vegas and we know how popular this team is here, obviously, right, every yeah. game. But to kind of get out of the bubble a little bit and Absolutely. go to Reno and go to Boise, and you know, I'd never been to either place. And there's people lined up for an hour to get Brad Hunt's autograph in uh, Reno. Then we go to Boise. John Merrill's doing this hockey clinic and how much the game has grown there. You know, we were talking with Corey there, and they said that I think they had they were in the teens in terms of how many kids were participating in hockey five years ago. Now there are 250 kids, and they're building a locker room for, for uh, the girls' team. They have to add on to the rink there. So at least on my two stops, I was blown away that, yeah, we know how big the team is here, but when you get outside here, we always joke around the Rocky Mountain region and everything. It truly is. <laughs> it really the is. The Rocky Mountain region. It is. It's just great people. Same thing, uh, you know, in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, too, where, uh, you know, it's really kind of a destination city. It's, it's a lifestyle stop, but uh, hockey's big there. They're, they're Interesting, their uh, they're senior team is, is the big ticket in Jackson <laughs> Hole. A bunch of guys that uh, play and they get teams and they sell out the building like 1,500 people. Only seats like five, but they get 1,500. They fill it right up for those games. And then Salt Lake, of course, is... Uh, Fire Marshal must be on the team. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Assistant coach. Salt Lake City was great, too. And, uh, you know, Nate Schmidt, uh, who was out there, and Gary, you saw it. I don't think uh, there, there's a player that... Uh, can interact better than him. He, he's like a kid uh, skating around. He had them doing the moonwalk. He's sliding blue line to blue line. He's he's just uh, tremendous with the fans there. So a real good tour for uh, for the Golden Knights uh, through those destinations. How did the fly fishing go in Jackson? Fly fishing was great. Yeah. Uh, I got to see a couple grizzly bears from a distance while we were rafting by. So <laughs> that was... I, I got. I, I've, I've been thinking about how I was going to handle this because Shane was very abusive last year when I, very, uh, in a when I caught a fish. That wasn't uh, a fish. That was a size of the iPhone. Don't, don't insult I the iPhone. <laughs> on, on, on the fly uh, in the backwoods of Montana and no, and yet you know, I, I've been waiting for the pictures of uh, of your big haul. Yeah, from, uh, well, it's all about the guides. I don't know. It was first time going. I don't know where first the fish time are. For me too. So the, the bottom line is, you didn't catch anything. Well, you know what? And if I did that size, I would not admit it. <laughs> and I certainly would not take a picture of it and post it on and social media. Might as well put a target on myself. <laughs> the bottom line that's is one of those things. Less is, is more. Is, yes. The bottom line is yes, that's right. Less is more. <laughs> bottom line is I went and I caught a fish, and you went and you didn't. Well, yeah. And I'm happy to say I didn't yes. catch that fish. Yeah, I will gladly yeah. admit it. Yep, there you go. I went NASCAR driving yesterday. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I was. And I was looking at the pictures of that. Uh, oh. uh, how fast? I, I don't know. There, we were around, I would say, uh, Derek England, I think, went a little faster than I did. I'll admit that. But I, I don't know. Around 140, 150 wow. miles an hour. And it, that's scary. Scary enough for me because they have the one straightaway where the guy's in your ear from up top watching. He tells you to floor it. And you think a straightaway, but... It, 
Straight away, you got to turn right because it's slanted. Sure, so the yeah. first time, any little jerk and boy it starts to trickle down the pants. There's nowhere to stop and go at that <laughs> oh, point. The cold uh, brown. So, uh, but it was it was really cool to, to hit the turns and stay in. It was great. And then of course Kurt Busch took us for a ride along. And when you're in that passenger side and he's riding it like you're you're literally maybe six inches from the wall. And he's in complete control. I can't imagine. It's really fascinating now the respect that you know those guys doing that with however many cars around them and going at those speeds of 200 miles. Like I can't imagine another 50, 60 miles an hour going around that track with surrounded. So a great day, uh, Derek England. Uh, Kurt Busch was fantastic. So you went 150 yourself down the street. I'm guessing. Yeah, I would say between 140, 150. Oh. Yeah, that that. Uh, and who was in the passenger seat? No, no one. Thank good, <laughs> and no one else on the track. Sage <laughs> and I were going that fast on our drive home from uh, from Salt Lake City the other day. No, we weren't. Yeah. Of course, we were obeying the speed limit the entire time. But uh, uh, I tell you what, it, the, uh, the the Vegas Golden Knights road trip. When you're in the moment, you're kind of you know the events are great and. Yeah, parts of the bus are fun, but uh, you kind of want it to be over. But then when it's over, you do look back, and uh, lots of it is fun. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm looking, you know, you're looking to next year's dead with doing it again. Where are they going to be? Yeah. Uh, I, I truly enjoyed I enjoyed yeah. riding the bus. Uh, I spent uh, a lot of my early hockey years yeah. on the bus. Nine right. straight years, five in the Western Hockey League and, and Junior Hockey in Canada, another four through the minor leagues. So uh, very experienced in long, long, long bus trips. You have to make, you have to bring proper provisions for the bus to make oh, sure absolutely. the ride goes by. Boise State was awesome. The Smurf Turf, is that what we call it? The Smurf Turf? Yeah, yeah, Dave and I did a little... Yeah, uh, a little we, uh, you ran a route. Yeah, I did. I, I would say we would have got a first down. Well, it was 15, 20 yards. Oh, yeah, it was right it was on least, the money. Right on the money. Right on you the really tip. showed your speed. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Shane watched uh, some CFL at the, uh, at the No Name Saloon in, uh, in Park true? City. Is that well, I can't believe yeah, yeah. you our, actually our good, did that. Our good friend uh, Sage Salmons requested it uh, in Salt Lake the City. The Bombers? Were the Bombers They're like, what? What's Big that? game for the Bombers. It wasn't, it the, wasn't bombers. the Bombers. No. It, it, Shane yeah, is, uh, Shane's from Montana. The BC Lions. Shane I know is them. from Montana and Travis Lule. Was sort Shane of, is. Uh, Sage is from Montana. Sage is from Montana. I'm like, I don't think I Who's in the studio? Montana, Manitoba. It's very close. And Travis Lule, quarterback for the BC Lions, huge Montana guy, uh, uh, sort of the guy in Bozeman. If you go there, uh, and uh, he plays for the BC Lions. Dave's hanging on to everything. Yes, yeah, final score one twenty five, one twenty two. Exactly the post game in a moment. It's like an NBA game watching that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave podcast, summer edition, coming to you from our studios in Vegas. All right, guys. So it's been you know, about six weeks, right, since unrestricted free agency kicked in. Uh, that's come and gone, and the Golden Knights have a little uh, different look. To their team, so I'm curious to get your input. First off, um, you know they lose two thirds of what was their second line, and, and James Neal going to Calgary, and uh, David Perron going back to St. Louis. Um, I guess maybe just your initial thoughts on on losing them, Lawman. We can start with you in terms of uh, having to kind of reshape that second line now. We kind of got to go back to the trade deadline when George McPhee acquired Thomas Tatar because I think you knew right at that time that he was looking at that situation and thinking uh, Perron and Neil are having Perron was having a career season, Neil uh, was having a um, a hyperbolic season. Like everybody was talking about James Neil. Neil he had more than uh, uh, you know he ended up with more than twenty goals. He had a really good playoff. You knew there was going to be, they were both unrestricted free agents, both guys in their 30s. They were going to want term and they were going to want, you know, they wanted to squeeze every last dime out of that deal, as they should. 
You know, I had this conversation with someone this summer. They're like, what's the difference if a guy gets $5 million or $6 million? You make five or six transactions, business transactions, in your entire career. That's what it is. You have opportunities to sign five or six contracts if you have a long career. And then you got to get to the finish line on that money unless you find something else to do. And that unknown of what you're going to do next, uh, not everyone's like Shane Knighty where you put the microphone in front of them the first time and they're immediately uh, of national broadcast quality, right? Like, that doesn't happen to, to, to every guy. Some guys struggle. And so you got your agent, you got your parents, you got your wife. They're all looking at you saying, this is it. You know, so for James Neal to take five years uh, in Calgary at at five million, uh, whatever, close to that, like good for him. That's I, I I can understand that. And the same for David Perron to get that extra year, that third year that he got in St. Louis. That's that money is going to matter to those players someday. So uh, four years, sorry, yeah, exactly, yeah. So uh, kudos to kudos to him. I think that the Golden Knights were willing to sign both players, but not not at that term. I think that you know they were. I think three years would have been max on either of them, and uh, and <clears throat> we'll see what those players are like in three years. They are effort-based skaters. They're not. Uh, uh, we're not looking at guys that 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 glide yeah. out there. I'm not taking it away from the very good <laughs> National Hockey League players, mm-hmm. but when you get into the into this day and age, you get into your thirties. And speed is so important, Shane. Absolutely. I think, and, and you, you factor in age. You're looking at two guys that are 30 years old, uh, James Neal, David Perron. And I don't have a problem with the next two years. So, you know, Neal's got signed five-year deal, 5.75 in Calgary. 5.75 at 31 and 32 for James Neal. I think they would have been fine, even 33. But it's those last two yeah, years, you yeah. think, when you're going to have all these, this youth, you know, maybe Alex Tuck, maybe Shea Theodore, we're not knowing where his contract, but they're coming maybe out of bridge deals, and you've got to pay these guys, and you've got a 33, 34-year-old making almost $6 million. Well, that's when the contract doesn't look good. Same with David Prawn, four years, $4 million. That would be great for the next couple of years. But those guys wanted term, and good for them. That, that was their right to go out and get it. Uh, you know, would Golden Knights have liked him? Yeah, but not for those terms. It just does not make sense at this point to get locked into those long-term contracts. That's the fault a lot of GMs make, and I think George McPhee knows that. And, you know, he wanted to make sure it made sense, and they did. Tomas Tatar, let's, uh, you know, David Prawn, Alex Tuck, he's ready to jump into that top six. So you've got guys willing to move up the lineup that are ready, that you've got to see what you have. So, uh, you know, I, no surprise to me that both these guys are uh, headed to put on a different jersey this year. So go b- to back to the, you know, what that does. I think Tatar uh, is a guy that, you know, if he plays, if he, he didn't get a chance to play no. with high-end players to. very often, and he needs to. And I think if he's on the wing with Paul Well, he's Stats, been a 20-goal scorer for four straight seasons. Yes, so. yeah. Uh-huh. So in playing with Paul Statsny, I would expect him to score 20 again. And the other guy is Alex Tuck. I think that, you know, if he plays with a player that can distribute the puck like that, he scored 15 last year. I think we all think Alex Tuck can score more. So, Tatar and Stancy, to me, it's a wash on on Neil and Perron. And uh, um, I, I don't think that, 
I don't think there was any slippage in terms of the lineup for Vegas this summer. I think Stashney gives him a gain because he's a centerman. Just for, strictly for yeah. that, you're, you're getting Perron and Neil Wingers, both great players, but Stashney comes in as a proven, you know, top two center <clears throat> in the NHL, a guy that can play both ends of the ice, solid in all areas. A couple of things. So you talked about Shane. You know, George McPhee was pretty adamant about long-term deals for older players. I think that he said you can really, really cripple your team if you do that, and you, you know, teams have done it, but. He's loath to do it, and he, you know, he was true to his word this summer. The other thing he talked about recently, and I thought he, I found it interesting. He talked about the second line last year. So Hollow with twenty nine goals, yeah. and Neil with twenty five, and Perron with sixteen. So they've got to replace uh, forty one between Neil and Perron going right. He said they scored a bunch, they gave up way too much. But the stat he had was, and I, I want to make sure because I jotted it down: goals against per sixty minutes. They were dead last in the league among second lines last year. Holla, Neil, and Perron. So for as much good as they did, the other end of the ice could be an adventure at times. And I, I wonder if, you know, that was part of his, yeah, you know, as you say, Nides, if, this, if the term made sense, sure. But they did not like at times how that line performed in their own from the red line back last year. And maybe this is a, a way to, to compensate for that is by tweaking it a little bit. Um, so now the question is, where do those 41 goals come from? And is it Tatar? You know, uh, Tuck had 16 last year. Yeah. Tatar had 20 at four after he came over here. Yeah. Can they fill, or you lose 41, can they combine to, to fill that void? Well, you got to roll the dice sometimes. Sure. We know that in this city. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what happens. I think Tatar is a guy. He's, he's been proven, so can he fit in? I think, for me, the big key is Paul Stastny. And I know Gary and I are from Winnipeg, and we probably mentioned it way too much. But going back this summer, there was not, you could not hear enough good things said about him from people in that organization, players, what he meant. They tried to re-sign him, so we know how much Paul Stastny... We saw him in the Western Conference final. He's a good player. He's, He's... He's a detailed player. He's a defensive center as well as an offensive. So immediately up the middle is where you want to strengthen defensively in your second line. We know Carlson's going to be one, but Stashney's a pretty good 1B, uh, if you want to call it. Can play in all situations. You know, and right away, face-offs, an area where they wanted to get better. This is a guy that's you know been great last year. He was just over 53, just under 54%. But the previous four years, he's been a plus 55% face-off guy. That's... That, that's elite in the NHL when you can get a guy like that that can take those defensive zone draws, take the key faceoffs in areas, and uh, you that's know. good homework by Shane Dighty. Yeah, Dan Duda was here. That's, there'd be a little tick mark old, old on the chalkboard. Yes. Yes. Yep. 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 That's midsummer form, midseason form, and a great con, just a three-year contract. Yes. So there's the term on him. Where yeah, does? For, go ahead. Okay, uh, no, so my my question was going to be, Lawman. Okay, where does that leave Eric Holland? Yeah. Where does he? How do you flush it all out now? Because he played that pretty effective second-line center last year. Well, you've got a glut at center ice now. You've got uh, Carlson, Statsny, Halla, Eakin, Belmar. Uh, you know, the five, five guys that can play center ice. Well, yeah, and I'd say three of them are locked in at center. Two possibly going – one's going to the wing. Man. Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see if uh, if Eric Halla can go to the wing. Uh, I don't, Cody Eakin, they tried him at the wing at uh, at the start of last year, and it didn't it didn't go very well. The other thing too, I didn't mention Oscar Lindbergh. He's a guy that uh, uh, was in and out of that in and out of the lineup last year. He's a, a natural center, uh, um, and then. Thomas Nosek is a guy that he had never played center, never played the wing before until last year. Went and played, and you know did a great job. There's, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if Gerard Gallant kind of keeps guys where they were last year, or if uh, training camp 
he does a little bit of experimenting and uh, and looks around. Well, I, I think you see Belmar, Carlson, and Stashney at center. So it's finding that other one. Right. That <clears throat> I see that anyways to start. I think Eakin will stick at center. I think Eric Carroll yeah. is going to be the guy that's... When you got speed like that, I think that's something that allows him to utilize it a lot more playing the wing. Uh, you know, a little less responsibility in defensive end. But, you know, a lot of times those wingers are the first guy in on the attack. That allows to back off the opposition's defense. Uh, so Hala's speed can really, really be useful if you put him in that wing situation, if he can adapt to that position. So this, and, and this I, will be interesting in terms of chemistry because last year all these guys came in here with, a, with that chip on their shoulder and a little bit of willingness to do anything. To you know, to, to to help the team. Well, now it's a year later. Does that you know? Does that good feeling continue, or does a guy come in and and get asked to play somewhere? I'm not and I'm not talking about any player in particular. I'm asking the question: Is a guy said? Do they say to a guy, "We want you to play center," or "We want you to play wing"? And all of a sudden, is there a little bit of pushback, a little resistance, and less of that team concept? That was a big strength. For the Golden Knights last year, it'll be interesting to see if it's still there this season. We mentioned Paul Stastny. He's going to be our guest of the day here a little later on on uh, the hashtag SLGND podcast. Uh, phoning in, Paul Stastny, one of the newest Golden Knights, signed a three-year, $19.5 million deal in the offseason. So do we kind of look at it, guys? All right, so the first line stays together, obviously. Um, the second line, do they, do they have to give Tatar at least a look in the top six? At least at the beginning, because I think that was one of the thoughts last year, right? Is if he's not in the top six, where does he, where does he fit into that? Yeah, just not, at the beginning. So is it, um, is it Tatar, Stastny, and Tuck? Second that's line, what I see. Right? Second line. And then Hala, Eakin, and... Nosik? Nosik. Carpenter? Car- uh, you know? Re- where's Reeves? Not, not, not a bad Reeves? thing to have these yeah. options. And, I, you know, let's think back to last year when they didn't really know. It was a feeling out process, not only through preseason, but the first four games. There's Carlson- a guy named Vadim Shipashev. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carlson wasn't even a top-line center at that point. Uh, you know, Marshall Smith and Carlson hadn't been discovered yet. Yeah. So th- there's some time for things, and, and hopefully it works out the same way, where you can find that chemistry, you can find those match through that lines where you know it's kind of seamless and guys you know connect with one another. But it doesn't always happen initially. But you're, they're going to look for certain things to kind of develop. They're going to put pieces together, and I'm sure they have you know three options. You may have A, B, and C of how your lines are going to look. How about on the back end? So they've. Um... I got Schmidt and McNabb together. Okay, good good idea. There's the sheriff. There he is. <laughs> All right, I'm out of here. All right, just stop again. Um, they signed Colin Miller to a four-year deal, $15.5 million, uh, as, an, as an RFA, restricted free agent, so he stays put. The one guy they haven't signed yet is Shea, Th- is Shea Theodore. Um, restricted free agent, but not eligible for arbitration, right? Can't go to arbitration. So that's not an option. So it's his options are, it seems to me, guys, is, and I don't think it's going to get to this, but just sit and wait until you work it out or get to something that you think is is reasonable on um, on both sides of it. Do you see that happening before? Lawman, you're the insider. Is this going to happen before training camp? Yeah, 100%. This yeah. is just timing. This was, uh, they would have said to Shea at the start of the summer, we got to do our, we're going to do our UFAs. And then we're going to do our guys with our brights. And then we're going to get to, we're going to get, we're going to get to guys like you. So, uh, <laughs> Just be patient, and uh, um, and uh, there would have been some conversations uh, between management and uh, and Theodore's agent about uh, you know do you want to are you are you interested in long term are you interested in a bridge you know what which where's your mindset 
And uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if this was uh, um, was a four or five year deal. Uh, uh, and I guess it wouldn't surprise me if it was a bridge either. If Jay Theater decided uh, he wanted to bet on himself a little bit and uh, and have another uh, last year was his first real full season in the NHL, and uh, we all saw what he could do. We saw at moments we saw the the the, the, the vast potential. And uh, yeah. Jane talked about this. Uh, I love hearing Shane talk about the the finer points of the game, and he talked last year about what Shea Theater could do when he had the puck, and it all centered around uh, his having his his head up, never looking at the puck, and also having his hands away from his body and being able to to shoot to pass. Like the thing about Theodore that I love is that he's not he, sure he can transport the puck because he's one of the best best skaters in the National Hockey League. He also can generate offense and he can make plays. He doesn't just get to the wall and and, and end up with the puck in the corner. When Shea Theodore yeah. comes down the, comes down the ice with the, well, the with the puck on the rush, he creates. And uh, the one thing I would love to see more from him is more finish. I think he can score more goals. I, I think there's there's a lot more offensive potential to him. And, and you look at the the top defensemen in the league, their their mobility, his ability to get up in the ice, and I think his timing. Right, he, that comes with confidence. He's a young defenseman, so he's still going to pick his spots. There's still going to be some errors to his game. I think he strengthened. I think Ryan McGill did a great job on the defensive part of his game. Really, that was the area that probably needed the most work, and will continue. He's got the natural offensive abilities. The thing that really stands out to me and when you think of defensemen the top offensive defenseman now is their ability to generate offense from a standstill in the offensive zone think of the times Shea Theodore can shake the opposing player coming out to the blue line for that check from a standstill his ability to fake one way to get that clear shot because we, it's a blocking league now we know block shots are such a big part so as a defenseman you have to change the angle of your shot and not only that he has the ability to change the angle or the ability to shake someone to the inside take it to the outside and make a play we saw that many times this year fantastic plays with him it, it, that that to me is you didn't see that much Five, six, seven years ago. Now, those top guys, their ability at the blue line, when they get that puck with a forward coming out, attacking, trying to force the play, he's able to shake that or get that puck through to the net. So on the back end then, Gary. So Spisa we, leaves, right? Yes, so right. they went and signed uh, Nick Holden. Yep. Uh, he comes in, and they have John Merrill. Uh, Griffin Reinhardt played in the American League last year. It's that last, uh, that's that last spot right. to me that I think is you're going to have Schmidt, Hunt. Schmidt, McNabb, Hunt. Uh, England, and uh, Theodore, and Theodore, and then Miller, Miller, Miller have five somebody. spots. Yeah, you're right. Hunt, Merrill, right. Holden. These are all guys. But uh, Jake Bischoff had a good year in the American League last year. He's not a flashy player. We saw Zach Whitecloud play yeah. in one game last year. But then what? What a lot of people didn't see. He put on 16 pounds of muscle between the end of when he when he arrived uh, as a college free agent near the end of the regular season and the end of the Stanley Cup. Yeah, a summer like me. <laughs> no, a little different didn't. way of putting it you on. Not have a, you, had, you had a summer like me. Uh, it's all right. I, I, I'm back down. It didn't take me long. I I'm saw that. I, was, I, I, I saw Shane when he got right back from Manitoba, and he's complaining. And then I saw a picture of him. Or that I saw him on when I got to Salt Lake City. I looked at him. And, oh, he's rip, ripped again. Yeah, must well, be nice to have a must, must be nice to have a metabolism ripped. Like that. Is that where we're going? Yes, with like a bag jacked. of milk. One of, the, one, <laughs> one of the players said to me about Shane. He goes, "He's pretty jacked still, eh?" Anyways. Uh, 
Sun's out, guns out. I, I, I'm I'm interested to see White Cloud, and I don't think it happens right out of camp. But I won't be surprised at all if he goes to like you know Christmas time in the American League and does some really good things. And all it will take is George McPhee, you know, or Kelly McCrimmon to go and watch him and think he can make us better. But here's one thing: he's a right-handed shot. Where does he fit? Because you you know you got Schmidt, England, and Miller. That that's what <clears throat> makes unless there's injury. Because you know what's interesting to me, and I, we can, I can look into this statistically. I would like to know how many right shots play the offside. It's very few because it's yeah. a left shot dominant yeah, sure. position. But I think right. he can. I think he. Oh, can he probably play the could, but you don't see it much. No, you, it's no. it's very natural or normal to see a left handed shot play the offside defensively. But there there's some homework for you. Yeah. Try and think of a right handed <clears> shot. <throat> I can't think of well, any Jacob off the Truba cuff. had to do it for a while in Winnipeg. Yeah, but he yeah. didn't like it. That didn't last long. Yeah. Josh Morrissey had to do it for a while in Winnipeg. He's a lefty, though. A lefty? Who's mm. the other guy in there? They had somebody else. Myers, Bufflin. Anyways, yeah, there, the there's not that, many. The kid that I think Ryan lost. Ellis might have did it yeah. for a bit in Nashville. Ryan Ellis just cashed uh, in, eh? Yes. Yeah. 50 many, million? Eight years? Eight years, 50 million? Not a bad day. Pretty good. Well, wage. they got a bargain in for a while on him. So. Yeah, yeah. They got a bargain on him and Yossi for a while too. Uh, Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Day Podcast, coming to you from our studios in Vegas. As always, we're brought to you by the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. So we touched on Shea Theodore. Who are a couple of other guys that jumped to the forefront of your mind in terms of? So guys grew last year, right? Theodore, yep. uh, you know, chief among them. Um, who else do you look at and say, okay, they took good steps forward. Now they could they could grow even more. And Nate Schmidt is certainly on that list for me. Again, yeah. he was not you know he wasn't a regular in Washington, and then ends up in Vegas and plays twenty three minutes a night. And uh, I think that uh, he probably would like to um, add a little bit to his offensive game. You know, I, I I think, but just consistency. Actually, I think if he can continue to be, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting top pairing. Nate yeah. Schmidt and Braden McNabb. It's not. Uh, it's not, it's not sexy. It's not carbon. Co- it's not the <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not what you. It's not, it's not the, the 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 copy that you see around the league, where it's a guy that can really you know Shea Theodore would naturally be on your top pairing in a lot of places because of you know the potential for the offense. But uh, uh, I, I like that the splitting up Theodore. Miller and Theodore, all three of them have have offensive uh, abilities, and then matching them with a guy who's a, a little more defensive. Although at some point in time, I wouldn't mind seeing Schmidt and Theodore in certain situations. Not uh, obviously, you know, you don't want them to be a liability, uh, and I'm not saying they would be, but uh, uh, I, I think you know when they have to chase a game, that might be a good pairing to watch go out there. Well, who do, you, who do you look at? Somebody like Alex Tuck? Now, well, Tuck, I think, yeah, 16 yeah, goals yeah, last that's year, an obvious one that yeah. they, they want to see. He's going to get the opportunity to play top. I think Tomas Nosek a guy that can move up the lineup. I think there's, there might be some more offense to his game. I think Cody Eakin can kind of bounce back. Colin Miller, really his first full year playing an important role. Can he, can he elevate? You know, 40 points, pretty good, but can he? is there another level of offense? And obviously, I think for him, more consistency. To his game, defend. He's much like Shea Theodore. The probably the biggest part of his game he needed to work on was the defensive part. And you know, can that continue to grow and, and give confidence? So there's lots of guys that uh, you know are going to try and try and elevate their game. So let's uh, do a quick little grab bag here, guys. So Lawman, you were sent out a tweet to the people uh, asking for their questions here, um, and we touched on this a little bit, Gary. What's your thoughts here? This is from Nate in Vegas via the Twitters. Theodore contract, five years or longer. 
I guess you can go five years or shorter, too. What's your sense on where this settles? Well, I guess, you know, the first, you know, what would you be willing to pay Shea Theodore per season? You know, is he at this stage? I I look at the William Carlson contract where both sides kind of decided. I know that Vegas wanted to do a long-term deal with him, but at you know, at a rate of around $5 million. And, and William Carlson kind of said, well, I scored 43 goals last year. Um, those guys make a lot more than $5 million. And I think George McPhee want, probably said to himself, well, okay, if he can... I, George did say this publicly. If he goes out and does that again, and that's what he is, we'll be happy to pay him that. Right. They'll be cheering for William Carlson to score 43, because if they've under, <laughs> if they've undercover oh, a 40-goal scorer, fantastic, right? You know what I mean? Pay him the six, seven, eight, whatever, whatever the whatever the, the the going rate is for that kind of a guy. And Shea Theodore might be the same. It might be we'd like to see a little more, or they'd be willing to gamble and give him a four or five year deal at four or five million a year. Well, that's, that's what I was just you know we were just I mean? mentioning Ryan Ellis and Roman Yossi. If you can lock him in for kind of a long term yeah. at that, you might. It's a good time to re- yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. to get a deal. And, and if you're Shea Theodore and someone says to you. Going to give you twenty five million guaranteed. You know you played in the American League last year. That's yeah, not a yeah, bad thing. Yeah. No, that's good deal too. All right, next up on our little grab bag here from uh, let's see who is this here? Travis uh, McGonigal. Sorry if I screwed that up on you, Travis. George McPhee's talked about upgrading at the forward position. Does that happen before the start of the season? And if so, who do they potentially go after? I don't think you can answer that until you know what's available. I think they've got room to upgrade, but that could happen at any point. I think I, I believe they're going to start with what they have, see what they have on this team. We, we talked about the different options, the different combinations that may come about. They've got some players that they want to see what they have from within. Uh, and then and then you make you know assessments from there. You, you take a look at your team. Uh, you evaluate, and then you see where you need something. Uh, there will be options possibly at certain points throughout the season. Uh, or even before, but I don't. I don't see anything happening immediately. And I think you know, as Gary would probably say to this too, it's it's something. It's always good to have that flexibility. If things aren't working out, then okay, all right, let's look at something. And George McPhee said they'd be willing to, but right. I, I really believe they want to look at what they have from within first. The old, the old, um, you know, and it's interesting too. We talk about guys in the in the AHL and whether it's you know. Somebody, you know, Nick Hague was going to go play in Chicago in, yeah. the, in the American League this year, who, you know, had a record-setting defenseman for OHL uh, D last year, most old, you know, defenseman by Ontario League defenseman in 25 yeah. years, right? Um, George McPhee always, he, the phrase I remember, he it sticks in my mind, he'd rather overcook guys <laughs> in the minors as opposed to yeah. too rare, up, and then it doesn't go well, and then mentally, how do you handle it? So, yeah, I think they, uh, I'm with you, Nigel. I think they look at... Okay, we lost a couple of guys, but does that, you know, to free agency and Neil and Perron, does this add an opportunity? We bring in Stastny, you know, what's this mean for Tatar? Talk in an elevated role. Yeah, I don't know if they look to do much right off the bat. And then competition for those other spots yes. we mentioned, you know, Lindbergh, yeah. Carpenter, guys like that. Nosek is he going to move? Eakin, Howla, uh, you know, Reeves. There, there's a ton of guys, Carrier, that are going to be working and, and competing for, you know, those top 12 spots. On those lines. So, at Carroll, Fairbrother wants to know that any of the prospects make the team out of camp. We just saw the uh, we saw the development camp a little while ago here, and um, you know I thought you know Nick Suzuki uh, has made strides. Uh, I don't think he plays. I think he plays in junior again. Uh, Cody Glass, same thing. Uh, the, you know these are guys that 
I think George McPhee is gonna gonna overcook. I both I think they're both kind of in the the Mark Shifley vein. Yeah. They're gonna finish. Patient. Uh, they're patient. gonna finish their junior careers, and then uh, you know it. It'll be interesting to see if both those guys don't go to the American League for a little while. Like it's, uh, I don't think that is. I think for McPhee and McCrimmon, that's what they'd like all their guys to do. Uh, you know, the odd player is going to come along and say, I, "I, I, I belong in the NHL," and okay, there you go, that's fine. But I don't think that they'll be against uh, uh, having those high end guys in the American League. I don't think any prospect uh, makes the team out of camp. Uh, I am interested to watch the battle. For the number two goalie, uh, Max Legacy really kind of uh, made some strides as a goaltender last year. I think Oscar Dansk uh, was on his way to some good things before injury, and uh, Malcolm Subban certainly had some great moments. Uh, but I, I don't think I don't think the job is slam dunk his. I you know I think that you know if you're Max Legacy, you you know you you put 13 points on the board while playing for the Golden Knights last year. I think you come to camp expecting the challenge and I that's uh to me to see who the, which of those guys gets to play in the preseason that'll be interesting. I just wanted to comment on what Gary said and you know a lot of people say well why if a guy had come out of the juniors ready to go why does he jump? I there is nothing wrong with playing the American Hockey League, yeah. and, and I think you know it's kind of funny. We think Suzuki. I know Brandstrom's in there. Suzuki, Glass, couple first round picks. Well, let's think back. I, I played with a couple of first round picks later in their career, but I remember they went and tore up the American Hockey League, and they've been pretty good staples in their organization. That's Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry. Drafted yeah. the same year in the first round. They went down. I believe it was in Portland, the American Portland, Hockey yeah. League, and absolutely tore it up. Then they came up, and they were both huge in winning the Stanley Cup for the Anaheim Ducks. But you never know how long it's going to go. But give them the chance to grow their game at a pro hockey level is very, very important. What was the big kid from Manitoba that was, that was with them? He was in Portland Dustin well. Penner. Dustin yeah, Penner. Dustin Penner. Yes. There's a lot to be said, and you know, we've all spent our time. You know, you talk, we were talking earlier, Shane, about on the buses, right? Going from God's crea- all over God's creation. And players probably don't want to hear it. And I understand that, but everyone wants to play in the NHL, work in the NHL. There's a lot to be said I remember for playing in the American Hockey League. I remember having a conversation with Jason Spezza when he got sent down when I was in Ottawa. This is you know, number two overall pick and just devastated, but he went down and you, you got to go down. Maybe it's a humbling moment for these guys, but I think the growth on the years beyond that makes up for it if they go down with the right attitude. You were probably in the NHL by that time, but uh, the lockout... Um, in '93, uh, no, 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 the 04, one where Spezza, 0405, Eric Stahl, uh, there was a whole yeah. the American League. Patrice Bergeron went down, <laughs> yeah, played the province. Uh, yeah, uh, Winnipeg had uh, Ryan Ryan Kessler, uh, Kevin Bieksa um, playing in the in the American the Manitoba Moose in the yeah. American League. There were there were like high high end players. All over the American League that year, and a lot of them used that opportunity to play big minutes, make mistakes. It gets different when you make a mistake in Syracuse than when you make one in Toronto or Vegas. Like it's (laughs) the coach comes, talks to you, throws you back out there. It's harder to throw kids back out there in the NHL when what like the guy, the coach's job in the American League is to develop players. If the GM is in the building and the player makes that mistake and doesn't go back out on the ice, he asks the coach after, why not? In the NHL, 
<laughs> the job is to win games. The, the GM hands you players and then says, go win the Stanley Cup. And when a guy makes a mistake and you lose trust in him, you, you don't play. So it's harder. To, it, it, the American League is it's it's the it's the it's it's the laboratory where you get an opportunity to 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 fix things before you put it on the shelf and try and sell it to the public. Do you get more answers as a player now, Shane, as opposed to your day, yes. like before? It's a, it's a way different league, way yeah. different athlete. These young players coming in, and I, I think uh, you know, coaches now the the communication lines are a lot more open than they used to be. Uh, when I play, you know, you didn't the coach didn't talk to you. That was a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want them to. Now, uh, now I think uh, you know part of a coach now is I think the strength of coaching now is to to be able to have the relationships and different ones with different players, knowing the personality, the character of their players. Whereas before, everyone was treated the same. That Ryan McGill to me, I, I know Gerard Gallant is the coach of the year. He won the Jack Adams, but if you talk to Turk, he talks about how it's the whole staff. Absolutely, and the job in particular. On Colin Miller and Shea Theodore, both players who played with old-school, hard-ass coaches, Miller with Claude Julian and Theodore with Randy Carlisle. Uh, Theodore would get called up to the Anaheim Ducks and then go back to San Diego in the American League, and it would take Dallas Aikens a month to get his confidence back as the, as the coach down there. That's just... That, that's And that's... Randy's won a Stanley Cup. Claude's won a Stanley Cup. You, you, you tip your cap to those guys... In terms of the X's and O's, but there's there's the, the these young players, they're different. They're not like Shane Knighty, where if he, he, the coach doesn't speak to him for three months, he goes home every night and falls asleep like a baby. <laughs> these it just it's they're just different mentally. Colin Miller are. was saying that uh, you know the biggest and having a pretty up close look at you know Colin Miller's time in Boston, that was one of the issues was if he made a mistake, he was at the end of the bench. Or he was in Providence. Or he was in Providence, and he wasn't going to see the ice again. Yeah. And that's so, that's an you know that's a, whereas this year it was all right. It's one thing if it's over and over and over again. I yeah, get it. Yeah. But if it's one, th- go back out there. Have it like a closer in baseball. Well, in short all, and it was that was one of the things that I thought was fascinating about what the Golden Knights were able to do. They were able to mm-hmm. go to the Stanley Cup final. They were also able to develop players, and that like what Ryan McGill did with those kids, those two players in particular. You know, keeping them, keeping them confident all year long, keeping them in. They, they averaged, you know, eighteen minutes a night plus all season long, and then Theodore. You know, he was in critical situations all throughout the playoffs and all, all season long playing with Derek England. I think that uh, uh, I think Colin Miller's game fell off a little bit later in the playoffs, but I, I, I'm I'm not sure it's his fault as much as uh, his partner couldn't keep up. And that put Colin into a into a difficult situation. And I, I I would like to see whoever plays with Miller this year is a guy that can keep up and uh, uh, and not drag him down, push him forward, and support him. A and, bit. and I think that's Nick Holden, what he's brought in at least mm-hmm. initially. Initially, yeah. One more from the grab bag guys from at Peter Brandon. Realistic record for the first ten games of the season with that big road trip. To start it out. So I'll just run it down for people real quick. So the team starts at home against Philadelphia October 4th. And then it's a five-gamer. Minnesota, Buffalo, Washington, Pittsburgh, and at Philly. Meet the Flyers twice in the first uh, nine days of the season. And then the final, uh, what's it going to be, three more games. Home against Buffalo, home against Anaheim, home against Vancouver. But, you know, that five. So it's different. Last year, you know, the inaugural season, 
game in Dallas, game in Arizona I, uh, to start it out, and then eight in a row at home, and they won seven out of eight. Yeah. So what's uh, so I don't know, Sheriff. First ten games, what do you see the VGKs with that big five gamer? So what is there? Six on the road, four at home. Five, uh, five and five. Five and five. Yes, but one at home, then five straight on the road. They come back and play. One, two, I, I three, think six four, and four five, would be a, would be a pretty good record to come out of that initial ten game stretch with. Yeah, uh, I think anything above five hundred, five hundred and above, I think is pretty. You know, for that for that type. But I I think actually no, I think you know, you got to get six wins out of their twelve points out of those first ten games. I like six three and one, lawman. I'm just looking. Oh, my Washington's goodness. Smoke. Tough, if you guys wow. were in there, the smoke coming out of Washington's a tough match. Pittsburgh's a tough match. I think Philadelphia is going to take a step this year. Buffalo's uh, everybody's going to try and take a step this year. Buffalo's obviously much better. Yeah. I don't like Minnesota. Anaheim, I think, is slow. So say 500. Yeah, sure. Fine. 500. Okay. Thank you. 500. Yeah. There's not a, That first stretch it's is tough. Like Very. The, Vancouver is really the only, you know, empty spot, easy spot on the bingo card, right? So a good thing I like is they play a couple of those teams twice, right? Buffalo yeah. and Philly. Yeah, so for yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. Um, they get Tampa right after that. Game yeah. eleven. Tampa. Yeah. Not the worst cool. thing in the world, though, Nigel. I mean, you, you know, and granted, this team is is almost going to be not we documented, not completely intact, but by and large, everyone's back as opposed to a year ago. Everyone's coming in from somewhere else, but. Get away for a little bit. It's going to be a five-game, uh, what, eight-day trip, roughly? Seven or eight-day trip? Let me ask right you off this. the bat, not the worst thing in the world. No, oh, Gary's got one. Eric Carlson goes to camp. And right away, you know, he's tried to get away for the summer, tried to kind of, you know. Once those questions start. Then the questions start again. And they, it, you know, very quickly this is, it, it's going to be the same old, same old. Does he publicly come out and say, I'm not signing here has at the end of this year. Because that's what like, you know, that's what Pierre Dorian keeps telling the people in Ottawa is, is we're gonna make this effort to sign him. At some point in time does the player apply some pressure to this situation. Because so far Carlson has said all the right things. He didn't sign the contract they offered him, but he has sort of said, you know, he, he, he publicly he hasn't said trade me. At some if that happens and, you know, Vegas at this time still the one team, salary-wise, that can take Eric Carlson and Bobby Ryan. And and don't don't be fooled by a lot of this talk that it's going to be a hockey deal. It's, it's not going to be a hockey deal. It's going to be a salary dump. And it's going to include Bobby Ryan. And, you know, does George McPhee... Does he want to take on Bobby Ryan? Because you know, if you look at you look at Ottawa, you look at Mark Stone. He's a UFA at the end of next year too. Duchesne, Carlson, and and Stone. If you if you do you wait and then say instead of taking that Bobby Ryan contract, I'm going to try and sign Carlson as a UFA, and I'm going to try and sign Mark Stone as a UFA and get Mark Stone. You talk to, to pro scouts around the National Hockey League. One of the twenty best forwards in the NHL. This is a guy that does uh, does yep. so much, is so smart, so competitive. Um, I, I, I think that whole situation has been mishandled, 
and the and the pressure. Yeah. The has not right. been very good. It hasn't been a good last uh, six seven months for no. the Ottawa. And you know what? I agree. I think if I'm the Ottawa Senators, it's it's let's reset here. They just signed you know Brady Kachuk. There, there's their future. They you know let's let's build off that Mark Stone. You know there's your new captain. Let's move on. Get as much as you can from Carlson. It, at some point, you got to say enough is enough. This is an organization that needs a retool more than anything from top to bottom. You know, they're trying to get a building now. They're trying to repair a relationship with the city. Uh, you know, and Eric Carlson, even if he stays, it's going to be, yeah, it's... Mark Stone is 26. He'll be 27 in, uh, in May of next year. I don't think he resigns in Ottawa. I think no. he walks. And the thing is, too, Gary, <laughs> if, if they, let's say they get off to another crap start and the questions are there with Carl, you know... Are they going to want to go through this until the trade deadline? Well, Matt Duchesne didn't want to go through another rebuild in Colorado, so. Yeah. Oh, right, <laughs> right. So, you know, are they going to want to go through this for five months until the trade deadline? And then, you know, you know all the rumors last year how close uh, Vegas was to getting him at the deadline. But they, got, are they willing to wait that out again? You, I don't think so. You've got a GM who's trying to make a hockey deal, and every time he gets close, he goes down to the owner's office and says, why isn't Bobby Ryan in this great trade? And then he goes back to the GMs he's talking to and says, "Okay, we're gonna put. We need to put Bobby Ryan in here." Well, okay, you want me to take on that salary? This isn't a hockey deal anymore. Right. This do you, this just changed. So the five prospects I was giving you, now I'm giving you two. Like what? How many teams will take that contract? And, and yeah. if you if you were gonna trade a Bobby Ryan tomorrow to a bottom dweller who was just gonna take him on, at, what what would they want in return? To take on that, to take on that money, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff, yeah, a lot. Um, be curious to see how that shakes out, or do you just wait it out if they don't move Carlson? As you say, try to sign him. You know, it's only money. It's not our money, but it's only money. <laughs> Dave loves to throw around not his money. <laughs> the Sheriff Lawless, some guy named uh, Dave Podcast, coming to you from our studios in Vegas, and our, pad, our podcast is brought to you by the Foley Food and Wine Society. Bill and Carol Foley have created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life, and they look forward to hosting you during your next visit. Cheers. Uh, we talked about some um, some contracts here, guys, as we kind of get on to our next segment. We have not mentioned the flower, yes. Marc-Andre Fleury, who's under contract for this coming year, but in the very recent past signed a three-year, $21 million extension that'll kick in for the 2019-20 season. Um, it's going to make him, well, right you know, at this hour, the highest-paid guy on the team. Um, there's no question he was their MVP. You know, they, they don't get to where he go. They go last year without him. But I think their sheriff, three years, twenty-one million, kicking in two seasons from now. I was surprised at yeah. the amount. I, I like the term. Uh, I was, uh, you know, he's making five seven five this year. This is the last year of that contract. Yeah, last year of that contract. Mm-hmm. So then it kicks year. in, and it'll kick in with him being thirty-four, turning thirty-five in November of season beyond this one. He'll be thirty-four this November. But we've seen goalies really kind of turn it on in a later age. I think, Mark, no question, Marc-Andre Fleury is invaluable, what he means to this organization, to this team. Uh, so 
We'll wait and see how it goes. I think he's a terrific goalie. He's an elite goalie, and it is a position. We saw how important it is. Uh, you know, we had a lot of guys fill in last year, but Mark Andre Fleury was—he uh, was terrific this season. It's just—I'm uh, uh, not surprised by the extension. Uh, I was just a little surprised at the price. I called the goalie guy outside of the organization after the deal, and he said to me two things. He said Fleury is light. He's not a big, heavy no. blocker mm-hmm. type guy. And he's probably one of the best conditioned goalies you'll yeah. see in the league. He's 26. He's physically not 33. Don't worry about that part of it. He's going to play for he's going to play for at least at a high level for at least three more years. Maybe the fourth year is uh, is a year where you know he's shepherding in the new guy. And that to me is it, it kind of gave you uh, it set up the succession plan. This is, you know, this is going to be the guy. So anyway, the, the goalie coach said he's light, so he's going to he's going to be effective for a while longer. He said, and also keep in mind when the goalie equipment changes, the lighter athletic guys, their numbers are going to stay where they are because they don't rely on the big pads to stop the puck. They do it with their skill. The big, the big, the big blockers. Those guys, they're not going to be able to just sit there all night anymore. They're going to have to move. Their save percentages are going to drop, and the guys like Flurries are going to stay exactly where they are or close to where they are. He believes everybody's save percentage is going to drop to to a certain extent with the smaller equipment. He liked the deal because of those two things, and I like it for. I would never want to diminish Mark Andre no. Flurries' ability on the ice because uh, he's. Uh, you know he's he's a top ten goalie uh, in the in the National Hockey League, without question. He's also the biggest athlete in Vegas. He is the he is the star in this city. And this this one of those contracts that goes beyond. Not only that, it God. goes to in the room how how right. valuable he is there with the guys. How important he's he's a real big glue piece for the Vegas Golden Knights. And, and when you factor all those things outside, just what a great goaltender he is. You know, you, you can see where this contract kind of comes into play. Marc-Andre Fleury, three years, $21 million, kicks in season after next. And as you said, Gary, who knows where they'll be in that, you know, it's basically four years from now as to who would potentially take over then, or maybe he maybe he stays at that point. You touched a little bit on the William Carlson deal, uh, just in terms of contracts. They kind of, they basically table it, right? 5.25, sign him for a year, see where it goes, doesn't preclude them from signing a longer-term deal uh, even before this season's over. But, you know, he's uh, he's had one incredible <laughs> yeah. breakout well, year. And that's the key thing. One year of incredible numbers. Before that, he was... You know, uh, this, argue he didn't get the... Whatever the reason, he's had one really, really This good one year. really fascinated me because, you know, this is a guy that maybe, you know, turned down. Gary said a long-term at $5 million, And I, I got to give credit to a guy that's really willing to bank on himself, and yeah. if you're the organization, yeah. Then Gary mentioned George, go at it. Absolutely love to find. But this is a guy that had previous highs of nine goals and 19 points. Those were his two highest totals in those categories. So obviously, he goes to 43 point or 43 goals and 78 points. But can you? That is a huge jump. This is. A, I love the gamble for the player here. This is. Uh, he's banking on himself. Here's the way uh, arbitration and uh, and cap guys and agents look at these things. So the agent said he just scored forty three. He's worth this much. Yeah. And the, the cap guy's like, hold on. He scored nine six <laughs> forty three. It is. He's, and, he's uh, a he's a twenty five guy. 
And okay. it's not nice if you're in arbitration. It said uh, no, uh, not not no. as nice as that. So that's what the, they have a brief, right? You know what I mean? And I think they exchange them and they have an idea before they're going in what everybody's. This is what we're going to say. This is what you're going to say. You know. So, I, so for Carlson, I think I think that the, the Golden Knights are like we're happy to pay you as a 25 goal guy. So, and this is this is what you're a great two way center. We'll give you five million a year for six, seven, eight years, whatever it was when you're when you're talking long term. And the player's like, "Well, if I sign that contract and I score forty again, I'm underpaid, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I don't want to be in that place." And the agent whispers to him, "If you score twenty five, that deal they're offering you right now, it's still there. We can get mm-hmm. that if that if you score twenty five and say." Yep, you guys are right. I'm a 25 goal guy. So that deal that you had on the table last year, yeah. five million times right. seven. Eh, okay, I'm 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 good. I'll take it. But if you score 40, eh, I can get you mm-hmm. two three million more a year. So uh, why, why not why not bet on yourself? Now <laughs> you're the player, and take yourself out of your era and put yourself kind of into this era. Yeah, someone offers you guaranteed. Let's say it was seven years. Let's say it was. 35. You know what? Let's say it was exact same as Marcia So. Five right. by six. Yeah. Thirty million guaranteed. Yeah. How do you walk away? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. That that is uh, not a question for me. I don't walk away from that. No. Um, but I understand. Uh, He's not married. I, that's a factor. That, there's a factor. <laughs> that is a factor. Yeah, exactly. You said no to what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Being, being single. Uh, 30 million. Well, and you, met, you made a great point, Gary, saying that, you know what, depending on how this year goes, chances are, even if he's a little bit off this year, you know, he still has that 43-goal season that you can't ignore and that possibility of him getting to that level again because he got there. So... Uh, but that said, this is a young guy. He's got great potential. And I think, you know, why not, uh, you know, put a little bet in yourself? He's got some pretty good wingers in chemistry. On possibly was one of the top line. Well, not possibly. Was one of the top lines in NHL with Smith and Marshall. Oh, so, it's going to so. be tough, though, man. 30 million, it has got to be tough. I, you know what? Like, and having, well, I'll never know that, but I, I've just as a human being with a f- relatively functioning brain, to say no to 30 relatively. million. Relatively. You're just talking about Eric Carlson. <laughs> I'm just flipping on Twitter, and there's a piece Right, a month away, with less than a month to go before the start of training camp, contract talks between Carlson and the Sens remain eerily silent. Now, that's coming from a member in the uh, a media member in Ottawa. It's not eerily silent to me because there's absolutely no chance Eric Carlson resigns in Ottawa. Like that to me is like the and I get it. You you work in Ottawa. If I was working in the in the market in Winnipeg and it was a similar situation, you'd be holding out hope. But boy, oh boy, didn't help when Daniel Alfredson, uh, you know, was a legendary Swedish player in Ottawa, was captain for a long time, was really kind of kind of left the organization in a strange way before the last season after being kind of molded for a place in management, and then all of a sudden steps away. So you know, obviously something happened there, and. Uh, he won't have Alfredson in his corner, which would have been a big thing for the Senators. If you can't figure a way to have Daniel Alfredson work for your team after all those great years in Ottawa, then something's radically, radically wrong. A couple of more items something? here, guys. Something. Yes. yes. <laughs> There's something a named a Eugene? A, yes, a person. <laughs> um, it's an interesting one. So the lawman does up the format for the podcast, and this is one of, one of his better efforts. Uh, who got better in the West and or the Pacific Division? Let's do the Pacific. Let's do the Pacific. Uh, general does he, thoughts. Does, does uh, Ilya Kovalchuk make LA better? 
I don't think so. I think it's going to be really interesting to for, see. For they 18, need a goal. So 18.7 over still, three He's going to be great on the power play. you got Kopitar on one side. you got Dowdy up top. So I'm thinking, you know, their power play is going to be improved. they got that lethal shot. they got both Dowdy and Kovalchuk on one-timers with Kopitar, who can thread it as good as Backstrom yeah. or anybody in yeah. the league. Yeah. So... Their power play, you got Brown in front. He can stand there and take a beating. Carter, it's, 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 it's as good of a unit as you can put out. So, yes, they've improved in that. I don't think they've gotten quicker. I think they, they've got some youth that's going to come in. We saw an eye of follow, guys like that that are going to skate for them. Uh, you know, I think Colorado, I think they're going to be better. Mm. Uh, you know, San Jose is interesting. Oh, Colorado's descent. We're talking Pacific, Well, with L.A., so, yeah. too, like, you know, not long ago, scored three goals in four games. In being swept by the Golden Knights. Yeah. They yeah. need to do something to try to find some offense. Now, you can argue, and I'm kind of with you tonight. I don't, three years, Anaheim, 18.7 I million kind for of the Colton Chuck. Yeah, I don't like Anaheim. They uh, keep Henrique, right? They signed him yeah, to a five-year deal to stay. So their centers are Getzlaff, Henrique. Is Kessler going to play? That's the question. They've got, a lot, they got a lot of money in some older players. Older players, players right? right? Uh, Getzlaff is still a productive guy. Corey Perry has really started to fall off. Uh, and Kessler is, you know... He's a question mark all the time. San Jose manhandled them <laughs> in the first round last year. I don't see them being a factor. The, the, San Jose, the interesting thing for me is Evander Kane has burned through two teams. He, three teams if you include Atlanta, but two franchises. The Atlanta slash Jets franchise and the Buffalo Sabres. Best foot forward all last year if, you know, through, through the playoffs. Everybody says all the right things. No, now we get into the grind of a of a full season, and uh, and it's the, the games don't mean as much it, to me. That's going to be really interesting to see how he handles things. I, I think San Jose will be better. What about Calgary? Yeah, they're going to be better. Yeah, I think Calgary is going to going to improve. And Edmonton, I unpredictable, right? So, you know, yes, they, you know, yeah, they, they could be no They idea. could have hundred points this year. They could have eighty five. <laughs> I got one for you. How about St. Louis? Trade for Ryan O'Reilly. Bring in Tyler Bozak, Brad and Braden Shen last yeah. year. Well, for me, it's uh, Paul Statsy. will know about that. He, yeah, he might have. A, what's, he uh, might what's, have. Uh, which Jake Allen's going to show up? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Paul Stastny, you with us, Paul? Yeah, how's it going, guys? Hey, good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you're with Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless here as our our guests of the day here on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. What a lucky day for you, Adam. This is going to be the highlight of your day, Adam. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know it. I've been looking forward to this time slot all day. <laughs> hey, Paul, congratulations on the, uh, on the contract with the Golden Knights, a, a three-year deal to come to Vegas. What were some of the things that you took into consideration as an unrestricted free agent, and why, why do you think Vegas was the best fit for you? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot that goes on. I think, uh, you know, I think I was in a good situation where there's a, you know, I was fortunate enough to pick between certain amount of teams. And I think first and foremost, I want to be kind of go a team where I think I fit in pretty well, hockey standpoint. I think, uh, and you want to go to a winner or a team, you know, that's willing to do everything to win, whether it's obviously through the players, what they did last year. But it was funny because when we lost to you guys in in the playoffs. You know, I, I like. I think I was a surprise. You know, for some reason, I, I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised because, uh, you know, Vegas kind of outplayed us top to bottom. It wasn't. It wasn't a fluke here or there. And 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 you know, I think all year people were kind of maybe waiting for for Vegas, especially last year, to kind of slow down a little bit. And I think the system that's played, I think the depth of players from from top line to bottom line to the six defensemen, I think it's a it's a good puck moving team. And 
it's a team that that plays aggressive, you know, and, and they don't they're not afraid to mis- make mistakes as long as as they're hunting pucks like four checking or playing defense. And then for me, that that's what I like. I like my wingers to play aggressive and and don't think, you know, I'll play defense for them. And then my job is to get them the puck because I know there's a lot of guys that that want the puck and don't want to score. Now, are you uh, are you playing in uh, in the beauty league right now, uh, Paul? Uh, no, no. If I'm in Denver, I think my Denver. summer's in Denver. Yeah, so okay. I'm in, that's in Mini. So in yeah, Denver, yeah. They, uh, they started something and kind of like similar to the Beauty League, like the Flow League, for six weeks. And I think they're going to try to build on that next summer just because of how much success the Beauty League's had. So the opportunity to play with guys in the summer, like in the, we were talking to Nate Schmidt the other day. He said the first skating when it was, he said it was kind of, you know, s- s- slow tempo. The second skating went out for, he said it was like a, a regular season NHL game in, uh, in March. He said like it was, Guys were slashing. Guys were hitting. Guys were playing at uh, at full speed. What what is your summer like in terms of training? Uh, well, I'm older a little bit now, so I <laughs> know I know how to manage myself. You know, so honestly, I don't skate. Usually, I don't skate till probably end. Of, I guess it all depends when kind of your season ends. But I, I usually don't like to skate at least till the end of July, and then you know I get a couple sessions. You know, try to go twice a week for a couple weeks, and then I kind of bring a skills kind of skating guy in for three or four days work on some things and then I think you know this week I'll probably go three times next week there's a pro camp at the University of Denver I'll skate probably four times and then you know I same thing try three or three or four probably in August but uh, I think you know usually in May June I play a lot of tennis so I tried like tennis golf and then I just tried to stay active so I try to switch up my workout so I don't I don't just do the same things where I'm just you know I do different agility some days I'll I run some days I do the bike some days I'll do that peloton you know I just try doing different things and that's the way I've grown up I think with with the European background my parents uh I've always been a, a multi-sport guy and I think that you know I think it's really important especially growing up it just you know you work on different habits all the time instead of just kind of doing the same things all the time and not getting burnt out playing one thing Paul I gotta ask you and, and you touched on a bit before going through free agency and and talking to teams Probably think back to start of last year. Probably never had Vegas on your radar. But as the season went along, and I was, certainly for us here on the inside, we started to say this is going to be an attractive destination because, of, first of all, the success of the team, the style they play. But maybe more importantly, there was something special in that room. How much did you hear about maybe the off-ice, uh, you know, guys in the room? You probably heard of Marc-Andre Fleury and what he does. But was that attractive as well, how close this group became away from, from the ice surface? Yeah, I, well, I, th- I think you have to be to be successful. You know, you play, you know, you play in good teams. The, the best teams find a way to kind of get along off the ice, and, and then you know, you build that chemistry, and then kind of everyone's rooting for everyone. You don't, want, you know, obviously you're gonna have your top guys score, but you're just as happy when the other guys are producing or other guys are doing things to win games. So, and that, that you know, that's all that's all off ice stuff. Whether it starts with the captains or it starts with the wives, and I've always been a, I've always been a big proponent of that. You know, especially early in my career when I played with older guys, and I got to learn from them. But I think, yeah, I remember. I remember kind of once they, you know, became on came on the radar. I, I didn't really want to kind of tip my hat to anyone. So I didn't know who to call or who to <laughs> talk to indirect. And I didn't really know anyone that team. I knew everyone. All the guys I knew, I kind of knew through somebody else. You know, I've heard good things, but they're all like, "Oh, you'll love this guy. You'll love this guy. You'll love this guy." And then, you know, I think the day or two before I signed, I remember calling Revo. And, you know, I, I played with him in St. Louis, and his wife, my wife, got along. You know, we're the same style or. Not same style, like kind of personalities, kind of old school, but you know, like to you know, like to enjoy all parts of the game, you yeah. know, and then hanging out with the guys and hanging out with the family and stuff like that. And I mean, he 
he said he's never been on a closer team. He's like the wives, the guys. He's like it, it was unbelievable. And, and I know he came at you know the deadline, yeah. so all of a sudden you're kind of going playoff push and doing a playoff run. But um, you know he's not a guy that would normally say that. I think we're on a close to the team in St. Louis, so I think you know he can relate to what a close, especially when you have a bunch of older guys around your age. But you know, especially him coming new and fitting in right away and saying you know how good everything was, how good you know, management, ownership, everything kind of, everyone was in it, you know, together to win. And, and obviously last year was special with, it was actually, you know, unfortunate with what happened at the start of the year. But, you know, you, you build around that. You also build that to a new franchise. And um, like you said, the excitement's there. And, and it, yeah, it wasn't on the radar. You know, I'm, I'm babbling on right now. But it wasn't on the radar. But it's just this time around, I, w- I didn't really have a team in mind. And I, I just didn't know. I didn't know when I got traded to Winnipeg. I'd, I've been through it before in Mulder and, I kind of once you're older, you kind of go in there with an open mind, and you know it's a business side of things. So some some things could be a right fit, but you know sometimes there's just not room for you, or vice versa, it doesn't matter. And you know I think you kind of kind of put all the cards on the deck. You look at what's best for you, and then like I said, you ask about the, the players first and foremost, and then I ask kind of about the wise, you know, and the situation away from the you know away from from hockey and everyone had you know was just raving about everything paul in your conversations with be it george mcphee or kelly mccrimmon or gerard gallant what did they what was their message to you and where do they think you're going to be able to help this team the most yeah i think uh i don't know i don't had honestly i did during the, the the free agency window i don't really like talking to anyone i kind of you know, so I pay my agent. I let him do all the talk and kind of relay the message just because sometimes you can go through a situation where people can kind of, you know, just blow smoke and, and try to tell you everything just to make it a come there. But but I like I actually like their conversations just because they're honest. And, you know, off the bat, I think I think they know what kind of player I am, a two-way player that wants to distribute the pocket and, you know, play, you know, start down low and be an option to the defenseman and then give it to the winger. Cause like I said, there's a lot of, a lot of scores on, on that team and a lot of young guys that, that want to make plays that create plays. And for me, it's, you know, my first four options, I always kind of look past, you know, before I even shoot. And that's the way I've always been raised. So, you know, when I do play with guys that want the puck and, and that are aggressive, you know, then it's perfect for me because I can get them the puck, I can create room for them and, and be an option for them. So to me, I think it was just kind of, you know, help out down the middle a little bit. Um, you know, just get a little more structure so then it kind of you know, lets the other guys roam a little bit more. How familiar are you with uh, Las Vegas or even more so uh, Summerlin? Have you had a chance to, to get out, look around, and, and see that there is more than just the strip here? Uh, no, I haven't been out there yet. I've been uh, at a couple of weddings. My wife actually just is getting there today with the kids and her mom, and they're going to do some. We found a place. I talked to a bunch of guys, but my wife's sister actually lived in Summerlin for like five years, and oh. then she lives in Henderson now. So, um, you know, she told us all about it even years before. Because I think, like anyone else, you know, when you think of Vegas, you just think of the Strip. But um, actually, surprisingly, you, you sign with a new team and you realize how many people have ties to Vegas and how many people have lived there or know places. And you know, when I told them where I'm living and where everything's set up, you know, they said the same situation that. You know, it's a great talent itself, you know, away from the Strip. And it's its own little community that everything's there. You know, it's great for the kids. And, you know, everything's top-notch, like I said before. So that was uh, obviously that's something you, you take in consideration always when you have a family. And, you know, when, when you don't have to stress about that, worry about that, it just makes everything easier on the ice. And when you look at the Golden Knights lineup, is there, you know, is there a player that you think will fit nicely with you? Um... 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think, uh, like I said, I don't know any of the young guys too well. The guys that, you know, might be, you know, they had a couple of first-round picks last year, this year. Um, you know, I, from what I heard, you know, I would, you know, like I said, Todd kind of came into his own as the season went on, young guy, and I thought he, he blossomed really well and did really good the second half of the season. And then, uh, you know, it's, you know, potentially they, they might put Howla like on the on the wing or vice versa or whatever. But I, you know, I wouldn't mind that just because that, you know, someone like that was so much speed that, you know, I, I don't know what he had 30 goals last year or something like that. You know, scoring threat every time. You know, sometimes it's easy to play with those guys, especially who has a background at center because you don't have to be the first guy back all the time. You know, you can. It's easy to kind of switch positions and, and always kind of be moving and play on the fly. Hey, Paul, last one for you. Uh, you mentioned the the conference final last year between the Golden Knights and the Jets, and, and unfortunately, at your end, the season came to an end, losing in five games. What do you think changed in that series? I'm interested when you were able to kind of digest everything. You guys were dominant in that first game, and then obviously the next four didn't go the way you wanted. What do you think changed? What was the difference that the Golden Knights were able to, to knock you guys out? Yeah, I, I don't know if we were dominant in the first game. I think we scored three goals in like five. You know what I'm saying? Right, early, you get right, right. Goal, yeah, exactly. So I think no matter what right there, it's like, okay, it's, you know, the, the first game of the series, they kind of feel each other out. I think, you know, Farland, a couple of goals that, you know, he probably would have had back. Or, you know, and then we kind of just rode the kind of rode the wave there. But if you look, I think even that first game, I think uh, Vegas had some chances there to kind of get it close at the end. And then, um, like, I, I think the biggest, you know, I think it's one of those things that you always look back and what could have been done is just like I said I think when you played Vegas it wasn't you know if you no matter who they put out there they all played the same way so there wasn't like you know obviously there's that top line that that was flying all year but it wasn't like okay this is their one line this is like their their two line this is the check-in line and this is like their fourth energy line you know they all played with that high high speed high energy and they you know they're aggressive they're good stick so if you if you try to you know skate through the neutral zone. I think when you have a lot of good sticks, when you try to play stubborn, I think that counterattack really kind of kind of bit us. And, and I guess the Vegas was so quick on the counterattack, and they just created so many chances. And and then the games there, it's the same thing. I think both games, you know, right off the bat, we're down one nothing. Um, like I said, there were, I don't know, you know, like I, like I said, I don't think there were any dominant games. But looking back, I think overall, I think Vegas was, was a better team. There was no... Not, you know, I don't look back and say, oh, we should have won the series. I kind of look back and say that, you know, when you're playing at four, you know, sometimes you don't even know who you're playing against, what line you're out there, yeah. and you're hemmed in your zone. And just, I think that's just a kind of a, a credit to the system that's played. And when everyone's buying in, you know, and the same thing with the D-man, when they have three different pairings and they can all move the puck, they can all kind of, you know, offensively kind of, they don't hold on to it a lot. So a lot of the shots kind of, they're shooting for sticks, which is, as a, as a forward, is great. I think sometimes when defensemen hold it too long, you know, the defenseman, you know, the opposing defenseman covers you up. And then, you know, once you're getting held, there's no way you can, you know, get the rebound. A lot of things is timing. And I think a lot of those young defensemen, they do a good job of kind of finding the guy as he's going in the net. And all of a sudden that creates a lot of havoc and, and chances against. Paul, we appreciate your time very much. And uh, we look forward to seeing you here in about a month uh, at uh, training camp in Vegas. Thank you.
Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Paul Stastny joining us. One of the newest members of the Vegas Golden Knights signing a three-year contract here in the offseason as a free agent. Our guest of the day brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. It's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. And this working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including world-class golf, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. You can check it out at Rock Creek Cattle Company. Dot com. Pretty well-spoken guy, to say the least. And by the way, how, I thought it was interesting the way he put it. We'd be hemmed in our own zone. We didn't know who we were I playing that. against. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's yeah. a great Some way to put it. real intelligent comments. You know, he's known as a high uh, you know, IQ hockey player. You could hear it, you know, recognizing defense. Little details of the game he likes from the Golden Knights. Interesting to hear him talk about, you know, wanting speed on his lines, hanging on to the puck. Uh, you know, he's obviously thought this through. Uh, yeah. which he should, you know, as a, as a free agent. A great, uh, a couple of years ago, TSN produced a piece on uh, Peter Statsny, yes. Anton Statsny, and Marianne Statsny, and their journey from, uh, I believe, the Czech Republic to, uh, wasn't um, Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia at the time, uh, to to the National Hockey League, and uh, uh, first landing with uh, the Quebec Nordiques, and uh, uh, Paul is born in, in Quebec City, so... Uh, um, played his uh, college hockey in Denver, and uh, uh, really, if you want to know kind of the history behind this player, you know, he, he he comes from hockey royalty, and from you know a true uh, there's a legacy there with this family, and uh, uh, a fascinating story. Well, we'll get a chance to see Paul Stassi, Nick Holden, and other free agents that the Golden Knights signed in the offseason. Again, training camp starts uh, September the 14th at City National. Before that, the rookie tournament at City National, September 8th, 9th, and 10th. It'll be here, well, soon enough, but a little ways to go. Still, what, six weeks, I guess, until the start of the regular season, but uh, not too far down the line. Well, that's going to do it, boys. This is, um, I don't know if we we're in mid-season form. I don't know if no, we have no, a mid-season no. form. Shane, we're a little Shane bit was, of the rust. We're in mid-August. Mid-August form. Shane's homework. I'm going to uh, be Dan Duvan. I'm going to award Shane uh, the final win of uh, of last season. This doesn't count as next Congratulations, season. Shane. Congratulations. Get that to go get Dave's that still looking for, for that first. <laughs> <laughs> that's no lie. <laughs> well, that's a wrap on the Sheriff Lawless Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGNT. Coming to you from our studios in in Vegas, the regular season is still about six weeks away, but rookie tournament and training camp uh, a lot closer than that. So we'll talk to you next time on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast.